Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Someone please turn the air on in Jesus' name this morning. If it's not, good Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 is where we'll land this morning. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25 this morning. And here's what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness, To enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water." Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have today to study your word together, Lord. Thank you that we have this time to gather together and celebrate your goodness and all that you've done for us, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just guide our understanding this morning. I pray that you would remove distractions from our minds, from our hearts, from our lives, Lord. We pray that we will be able to focus and hone in on what you have to say to us on today. And so, Father, I pray that the word of God today would fall on fertile soil, that your people would would, would hold on to the word of God, that, that we would keep it near our hearts, not just so that we can get information, but so that we can live in a way that honors and pleases you. And so, Father, I pray today that throughout the message, I pray that your son Jesus would be made known. I pray that his, his, his work would be, uh, be made known. I pray, God, that he would be glorified today. And so, Father, we just thank you for this time today. We pray that you would guide our study. And today, in Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God said, amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. My sermon title this morning is Faithfulness to the Family of God. Faithfulness to the Family of God. Last summer, last summer in June, there was an auction for a private luncheon that was held on eBay. The highest bidder in this auction would win a private lunch with famed billionaire investor and fifth richest person in the world, Warren Buffett, who's also known as the Oracle of Omaha. Just to give you some context, Buffett's net worth is reportedly, give or take, roughly around $110 billion, give or take a dollar or two. Buffett is considered by many, by, by many to be the greatest investor of all time. Now, there is context to this idea that he is the greatest investor of all time. Buffett has been investing since he was 11 years old. He filed his first tax return 
at the age of 13 years old because he had made roughly 500 and something odd dollars on a paper route. So, so Buffett has been investing and doing business for quite some time. So anybody that is lucky enough to get an audience with Warren Buffett would get valuable information. This is not something that you would want to miss out on if you have the opportunity. But I want to say this to you. Sometimes access is a high price to pay. Access is a high price to pay. Last summer was the 21st and final auction of the sort. The proceeds of the auction always goes to a nonprofit company called Glide, which is based in San Francisco. And what they do is they help poor and homeless people and also people who struggle with substance abuse. So the proceeds from the auction goes to a worthy cause, but you also get to spend time with the Oracle of Omaha. Matter of fact, you don't just get to spend time with him. You get to bring along seven of your besties to hang out with Warren Buffett. Well, lo and behold, this past summer, the bidding began for this one. And, and, and by the end of the bidding, the highest bidder had bid $19 million for a one-time lunch with Warren Buffett. I don't know about you, but there ain't many people that I'll pay $19 to sit down and have a lunch with. But $19 million is absurd. I'm thinking if I have $19 million, somebody needs to pay me to have lunch with me. But somebody thought access with Warren Buffett was worth $19 million. But here's the kicker. Yes, you get to hang out with Warren Buffett for an hour. Yes, you get one lunch. Yes, you get to bring along seven besties. But the caveat is this. Warren Buffett will not reveal to you any of his investment plans for the future. So you don't even get the most valuable thing you can get with time with him. So you pay $19 million just to kick it. Just to kick it, but, but that is a high price to pay for one-time access, and you still don't get the most valuable information from the fifth richest person in the world. Well, I got good news for you. You get access to someone far greater than Warren Buffett, and I get to tell you this today, that you don't have to pay anything for it. You don't get to pay 19 cent, $19, $19,000, and you certainly don't have to pay $19 million. Jesus has paid a high price for you to have access to God, and guess what? You don't get access one time. You get access for the rest of your life anytime that you want, and I got better news for you. He withholds nothing from you because you are not just a person you are his son and you are his daughter thank God for access but because of Christ we have free access to God anytime we want here's what I believe some of you would probably pay a higher price to meet with Beyonce than you would with God the truth of the matter is some of us put more premium and value on if we had an opportunity to meet a celebrity. But do you know that you, anytime you want, have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I know Buffett has uh, $110 billion. That's nothing to scoff at. If you have it, let us know. Uh, uh, but, but I want to tell you this. God owns a cattle upon a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. What Buffett has is just a drop in the bucket compared of what Jesus has, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you have access. 
I want you to know that you have access to God today. The, the book of Hebrews is about the supremacy of Christ. It is about the supremacy of Christ and letting us know that, that we, through Christ, have access to God. He is our high priest in every barrier that previously existed so that we could not come to God. Jesus has torn those barriers down by his body and through his blood. So I, I want to let you know that there's a there's a terminology, there's a terminology that 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 suffices to cover our sins and it's atonement. Jesus has atoned for our sin. He has taken on our punishment. Jesus, innocent, has taken on our punishment, the punishment that we actually do deserve. And because of that, we get to go into the presence of God. Hebrews calls Jesus the high priest. And here's why. Back in antiquity. In the sacrificial system, the people could not go directly to God on their own. They had to have a mediator. There tended to be a priest who had to go and make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. But the problem was the sacrifice had to be done over and over and over and over again. And so they had to keep killing animals year after year for the uh, for sufficiency of the people's sin. It was never enough. The blood of bulls and goats was never enough. It always had to be another sacrifice made. But when Jesus comes, he tears down the barrier and his blood that is shed makes a one-time sacrifice. And therefore, for us who are in him, we have forgiveness of sins and we don't have to kill an animal. Because what happens when John uh, sees Jesus, he says, welcome the Lamb of God who was slain since the foundations of the world. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, but he's also our high priest. He serves both roles. And so this is what the book of Hebrews wants us to know about Christ and, and the way that he has made for us, the, the way to God that, that, that did not exist before now exists because of Jesus. The sacrifice that he made of himself on our behalf accomplished everything that the old sacrificial system could not. And so when you read the Old Testament and you read about the sacrifices, you read about the animals being sacrificed, what that is doing is preparing us and pointing forward for us. It's letting us know that every time they had to make a sacrifice, it just wasn't enough. Every time they had to make a sacrifice, they had to make another sacrifice. It was never enough. It was never enough. It was never enough. And Jesus comes and he makes one final sacrifice. And for those of us who are in him, he has covered our sins, past, present, and future. That's good news for us. That's, that's really good news for us. And so today, if you struggle with the idea of wondering if you've been forgiven for the worst thing that you've ever done. If you are in Christ, he has paid for your sins. You have forgiveness free and full. It's not contingent upon how you feel, but it's contingent upon his finished work. You, you are forgiven if you are in Christ. You can take a load off. You can breathe again. You don't have to carry around that guilt and shame and condemnation. Paul tells us in, Roman, therefore, in Romans, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to let you know that you are free today if you are in Christ Jesus. But on the other hand, if you are trying to work off your sins, if you are trying to pay for your sins on your own, if you're trying to do enough good works, if you're trying to be a good person and a good citizen and you're trying to do all of those things, that is not sufficient enough for your sins to be paid for. You don't depend on you. You depend on the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. I want to read Hebrews 9, 
24 through 26 for you. Here's what it says. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, but into heaven itself, so that he might appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so the death of Christ, the cross, grounds it's grounds for our access to God. He makes a way for us that was not there before. But because we have union with Christ, we have this privileged status as sons and daughters that enables us to have free, unlimited, and uninterrupted access to God. This is not a one-time authorization that we have to bid on year after year like the meeting with Mr. Buffett. But, but no, we get an audience with God any time that we want. We can come freely to God whenever we want. On top of that, you don't have to go at it alone. We all get access to God. Now, now I know what you heard. You get to take seven people with you. Some of you are wondering, I don't know if there are seven people that I would take with me. But, but I, I don't know that there's seven people that I can actually celebrate getting access to the fifth richest person of all time. But, but here's, here's what we, we do. We're, we're wrong. We, we have individualistic mindset. But, but when Christ made a way, he didn't just make a way for you. He made a way for us. We, we, we all have access to God. This is not just granted to individuals. This is granted to the church in particular. This access is for all of us. The text tells us that Jesus is the high priest over the household of God, meaning the household of God means the church, meaning that we are always welcome to commune with God together. This is why the worship part, the music worship part of service is so important. It reminds us that there was a time when we could not go to God freely, but now we can go to God freely. We don't have to wait for a man to go and access God and tell us that it's okay. No, we can come freely together and worship him together. That's why worship is so important in the church. It is a reminder that we now have access to something that we didn't have before. And so this is important for us. With that, with that being stated, this letter is written in particular we don't know exactly who the book of Hebrews is written to, and we also don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. But we do believe that it was written to early Jewish Christians, hence the word Hebrews, right? And, and so this is written as a letter to encourage them and, and, and also encourage us today because what Jesus has done for us has practical implications. We, we get to apply these blessings to our lives. We, we need to benefit from Jesus' high priestly ministry. And so there are three things that we want to point out today is that, number one, we can draw near with faith. Number two, we can hold on to our hope without wavering. And number three, he calls us to love one another. I want you to notice something there. Do you see this, this, this triad, this, this, this Christian triad of faith Hope and love, do you see that? That we draw near with faith, we hold on to our hope without wavering, and we can love one another. And so this is what this text is preparing us for. I want to read verses 19 through 22 for you again. Here's what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
Since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. That is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, let us, let us, doesn't say you, it says let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. The number thing that we want to see, number one thing we want to see is that we can draw near with, with, with faith. Because we have solidarity and unity with Christ, we now have the freedom to enter into God's presence any time we want. Here's what I want you to know. You don't have to keep distance from God. And so I want you to know this. This is not about whether we have behaved well, whether we've done our religious duty, and God is now pleased with us, therefore we can come to him. We don't draw near to God because of what we've done. We draw near because we have faith in what Christ has done. Right? We, 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 we fasted this, this past week. I said we because I'm hoping that I wasn't the only person fat fasting this week, I don't think. Uh, but maybe you felt this week, I've been fasting so I could, I, could, I could talk to God this week. Whether you fasted or not, I hope you did. But even if you didn't, you still had access to God in Christ. And, and, and so for the person in here that is weighed down by guilt, weighed down by your past, weighed down by your mistakes, weighed down by what you did last year, weighed down by what you did last summer, weighed down by what you did last month, weighed down by what you did last night, I'm here to tell you that that God is not putting you on some probationary period until you get your act together and then you can come to him. You can access God whenever you want to. That, That God receives us as sons and daughters. I want you to think about this. I want you to think of of it from a, a, a parental perspective. Most parents, even if you mess up, they still want you to come and be honest with them. Here's what happens when you get in trouble. You try to cover it up. And, and you, you try to rationalize and you try to fix the stuff before your parents get home. Right? You, you try, to, try to connive a plan so that they don't find out that you got an got a F in, in school. Here's what happens. When they find out after they do corporal punishment, here's what they say. Why didn't you just come and tell me? Why didn't you come and just tell me? And the reason why they say that is they're saying, you are my child. You, you come from me. No matter what you've done, it can't change the nature of our relationship. You're still my child. If that is true with our earthly parents, how much more so is it with our heavenly father? He's not mad at you if you are in him. That is not a license for us to go and presume upon the grace of God and keep on sinning, right? Paul says absolutely not. But that is to say that if I have sinned, and we all have, right? It is to say we still have access to come to God whenever. So so here's what that means. You don't have to tiptoe around God. The Bible tells us that we can come boldly. We can come boldly to God. We we can have confidence in our access to God. Confidence, not arrogance. Confidence in Christ, arrogance, we have confidence because of Christ, but we have arrogance when we think that we can go because of our good works. 
right? They're, they're, we have confidence because there's just this certainty that there's this stability in God. We can come without hesitation. We can come without timidity. We can come directly to, to, to God. We can come whenever we want. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. Here's what the writer says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. That is good news. That, that, that should be a signal to us that, that whenever we feel that we need the grace of God, whenever we feel like, like we need a little mercy from God, we, we, we don't have to tiptoe around it. We can go directly to God. We can make a beeline to Jesus. We, we can come to him with, with, with confidence. We know that not only can we come to him with, with confidence because of what he's done, we also have confidence because he's our advocate. He, he advocates for us. He experienced what we experienced, but the good news is he didn't fall to the temptation like we fall to temptation. We, we have Jesus as our advocate. Here's what Paul says in Romans 8.34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. That's wonderful. You're not just praying for you. Christ is praying for you. And let me tell you something. I don't care how eloquent you are in prayer or how much of an intercessor you are or how great you know how to pray. You can't pray better than Jesus. He can communicate to God what we cannot communicate. You ever had one of those moments where you were so devastated and so broken and, and, and so bewildered that you didn't even know what to say to God? You was like, God, I, I don't even have words for what just happened in my life. I can't even describe to you the, the type of state of mind that I'm in. I'm, I'm numb. I'm, I'm so hurt. I'm so broken. I'm so surprised. I didn't expect this. This thing happened to my life. I was disappointed by this person. I didn't expect to lose my job. I didn't expect for things to go around with my family. I didn't expect for my children to act this way. I didn't expect for my family to turn their back on me. I don't know what is going on in my life. I don't even know what to say to God. Well, the good news is Jesus is talking for you. He is communicating for you. That is a good news to know that you might ask the saints to pray for you, and you know how we do. I'm going to pray for you, and we go on about our business. We don't remember anything that the person told us. But here's the good news. Jesus never forgets, and he's always interceding for us. Have confidence that even when people aren't praying, the high priest is praying for us. That, that's good news. Jesus is praying for you. You know how we do. Oftentimes, we mess up, and our response is to is to take a break from God. We, we've all been there. You, you, you had a, a, a few times that you messed up in a row. And it's like, you know what? God doesn't even want to deal with me right now because I wouldn't want to deal with me. But God is not like you. God says, if you are my child, come boldly to the throne of grace. And so I want to encourage you today, if you haven't talked to him in a while, if you, you haven't spent time in prayer in a while, if you feel like, it's just too far gone. You, you know how it is when you, you, have, a, you have a family member or, or somebody's been trying to get in contact with you and you, you plan on talking to them, but, but a week goes by, a month goes by, and you don't want to call them back because you know if you call them back, they're going to ask you, why didn't you call me? And you get the third degree, so you kind of stay away from an extended period of time, even though that wasn't your original intention, because you don't really want to get the third degree. You just want to pick up the phone and pick up where we left off, but you don't want to hear them say, hey, wait, why didn't you call me back? 
God is not going to give you the third degree if you haven't been talking to him. He says, come to me. Come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in your time of need. Number one, he wants us to draw near thy faith. Number two, he wants us to hold on to our hope. Read verse 23. It says this, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. That, that means that we can have a firm confidence. We, 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 we don't have to swerve to the left or to the right from one side to, to another. When, when we are faithless, God is faithful. That means that God is utterly reliable, that, that what we proclaim, we believe, we can live that out. We can hold on to our hope without wavering. Here's the problem. The problem is oftentimes we hold out hope in our strength. But then you soon realize that you're not strong enough because none of us are. We are not the object of our hope. Your job is not the object of your hope. Take it even a step further. Your spouse is not the object of your hope. Your degree, you have 20 of them. They're not the object of your hope. They're not the object of Christ is the object of our hope. When he got out of that grave, that was all the hope that we need. We ground our hope in what he has done on our behalf. Let me give you, a, let, me, let, me, let me clear something up for you. Biblical hope is not the same as worldly hope. Worldly hope is more like wishing. That, that, that's more like, like wishing, right? right. I, I, man, I, I, I sure wish we can go on vacation. I, I wish that we can do this. I, I, I wish that, that, that I can get into this school. I wish that I could get this job. I, I wish I could live in a house like that. Those things are predicated upon a, a whole bunch of different kind of things working out in your favor. Biblical hope is not like that. Biblical hope is certain. It is more certain that tomorrow is, is more certain than knowing that tomorrow is Monday. It, it is a certain hope. You can always depend. You, you, you hope to get a job. You hope to get married. You hope to have kids. You hope to grow old. You hope to retire someday. You hope not to live check to check. All of those things are not bad, but the hope for those things are uncertain. They're more like wishes, but biblical hope is certain because it's grounded in something that has already happened for us. It's grounded in something. We, we have hope because that he promised that he is faithful. Here's what Hebrews 6, 19 says. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If you're asking, why do I need this hope? We need this hope because we need endurance. You know, COVID revealed a lot about the body of Christ, right? Um, churches look radically different today than they did just almost three years ago. COVID revealed, revealed, revealed a lot. It was tragic. It was devastating. We had never seen anything like that in our lifetime. But, but just to the church, it revealed so much. And one of the things that it revealed is that we didn't have perseverance. If, 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 a, if, a, if a pandemic took you away from God, your hope wasn't in him. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't something that, that, that could have sh shaken anybody. But what, what, I, what I am saying is Christianity is not based on perfect circumstances. It's based on a perfect person. 
right? Our, our, our hope is not in, in all things working out the way that we envision them to work out. No, no, our hope is in what Christ has already done. That, that is what makes our hope secure. You put, you put him as your anchor, not your job, not your spouse, not your finances, not your degree, not any of the things that you think that you can control. No, we put our hope in something that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We put our hope in God. But, 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 but we in our generation don't have the endurance that we used to have. It doesn't take much to knock us off our rocker. Anything happens to us, disappointment, and the first thing that we throw is away is our faith. We throw away the church. But we need endurance. And I'm telling you today, it, it, you, you may not know whether your faith is strong or not, but I want to tell you this. Today will be a perfect day to, to anchor your faith in Christ Jesus. Don't anchor it in things. Life changes. Life happens to us all. People get sick all the time. Young people get sick too. Young people get sick too. You may be secure in your job today, but you can lose it tomorrow. I hope that never happens to you, but don't put your hope in something that can change. You might put your hope in your family. Some of us are so tied into our family. It's Jesus and our family right here together. You can't put your hope in people. You put your hope in God. You put your hope in God. He is the only security that we have. But you know what helps our hope and our security? Each other. Which brings me to my third point. Calls us to love one another. If we look at verses 24 through 25, here's what he says. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing because they're watching online. I'm sorry, is that not there? I'm, I left my glasses at home today. I thought I saw that. I literally thought I saw that in the text. I thought I, thought I saw that there. I am so sorry. I don't know what version this is. That's my notes. But encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, I know that church is changing and ministry is changing and there's, there's this online element today that we have to consider that we didn't have to consider before. And I'm not here to bash that or say that it's wrong. I think that, that, it, that it has its place. But I want to tell you this. And I want to say this emphatically. And I would say this even if I was a pastor. Online church is not church. I'm just going to roll over my PJs, get my coffee, and watch my favorite preacher. Matter of fact, it's so good. I can just get, I can watch this one, and I can watch this one, and I can watch this one. Number one, that's a recipe for confusion. Here's what I want to say. Nothing replaces the body of Christ. We are a body. We need each other. Trying to do faith in your bedroom with your laptop or with your iPhone is a recipe to fall away from the faith. It is the precursor to apostasy. What do you mean by apostasy? Apostasy means falling away from the faith. God never designed the church. He never designed the body of Christ for us to do Christianity by ourselves. There, there, there is a place for online ministry. It is a place for us to use it as an evangelistic tool to reach people that are far away from God. There's no problem for that. But once you are part of the body and once you are a Christian and a believer, you must gather with the body of believers. 
We, we, we need to gather with each other. Not gathering with the body is like trying to live without eating. We, we were not designed to not eat. We need nourishment to our bodies. We, we, we need each other. And so he keeps saying right here in these two verses, let us, let us, let I keep saying let us throughout this letter, let us, meaning that we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. We need each other as a source of encouragement. Now here's the crazy thing I, I read about this text is that inconsistent church attendance is not a new phenomenon. Some people believe that the Hebrew Christians had stopped attending church. He's writing this letter to encourage them because because they weren't attending. They had become weak in their faith. Not coming to church is a recipe for you to do, for your faith to diminish. You need to sit under the word of God. You need to come in and sing songs and worship with the saints. You need to gather with the saints. We need to correct each other. We need to encourage each other. If I know your life and we're doing life together and I know you've been through a hard season, but I keep seeing you show up week after week and still serving the Lord, that serves as an encouraging, encouraging thing to me. I need to see that. I need you and you need me we 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 need each other some believe that maybe these christians were going through some sort of ostracism from their families and and from their communities because they they were they were following jesus some believe that they were just too preoccupied with their business affairs and their 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 church attendance their gathering with the body had fallen off yet the writer tells them whatever circumstances is don't stop gathering with the saints don't stop gathering with the saints here's why we need to be committed to the church the number one reason that we need to be committed to the church is because christ is committed to the church i want to be committed to what he's committed to here's what sam albury said pastor sam albury said this thought was beautiful if you want to understand how committed Jesus is to the church, here's your answer. He doesn't just create it and let it be. He marries it. Church is not his hobby. It is his marriage. He's married to you. He's married to us. We, we are in a, in a marriage relationship with Jesus. We are his bride. You, you may say, hey, hey, I, I get it. I understand this. Let me, let me put it in a better context to you. You may say, well, I'm, I'm still a part of the church. That, that is true. I'm still a part of the church even if I don't come to church, if I don't gather with the saints. That may be true. But even if I don't come home, I'm still married. But it will behoove me <laughs> to take my behind home and spend, yep, see, and spend time with my wife so that we can grow in intimacy, right? But, but if I didn't stay home and I was never there, y'all would call me a fool. You would talk about me because I don't spend time with my bride. You would talk about me. You would say, this, 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 that's, going, that's not going to end well. Well, how is it that Christ is married to us and we have a problem with coming home to spend time with the one that we're married to and the one that's married to us? We don't think that's crazy, but we put it in practical sense. We know that it's crazy. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this to say. This is the beauty of the church. This, this is why we need it. Here's what Bonhoeffer had to say. He said this, 
It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacraments. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. They remember, as the psalmist did, how, how they went with the multitude to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living in common Christian life with other Christians, praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. There is someone who wishes they could go to church today. The hospital is full of saints. Who wish they could just gather one more time? Who wish that they could just get a hug at the door? Who wish that they could just hear some live instrumentation and live voices singing together in unison to our God? They wish that they can sit under the live preaching of the word of God again. They wish they could sit down at the table and do communion with their brothers and sisters. They wish that they could share a meal. But because of life circumstances, they don't have that privilege right now. But we do. We do. And we have the honor. We have the responsibility to take advantage of that. Let's not forsake gathering together because we need each other. This is not something that we have to do. This is something that we get to do. This is something that we get to do. And man, there's something Christ meets us in a special way when we gather together for worship. He meets us here. I was so tired of looking at myself preach online in 2020. Oh my goodness. I couldn't stand myself. Because you cut the computer off, and there's nothing. There's nobody to hug. There's nobody to look eye to eye to. There's no one to say, hey, how's it going? How's school? How's marriage? How's the career going? Can I pray for you about anything? You see, there are certain things that we can only get when we're together physically. I'm encouraging you today, saints, not to just come to church so that we can put cheeks in the seats. I'm telling you to come to church because we need each other. You need me and I need you. We, we were made for each other. We are the body of Christ. We need each other. I can't say, hey, I don't need my brain today. I got the rest of my parts. No, I need my brain. Hey, I don't need my heart today. I'm going to leave heart at home today. It's going to be the rest of us. No, we need each other. We are all important. The seen and unseen members of the body are important to each other. I'm not telling you to come to church just so that we can do something traditional. I'm telling you to come to church because this is what God designed. He designed for us to be together. He says, provoke one another to love and good works. That means that we can't be cavalier towards one another. We, we have to consistently encourage one another. We, we are devoted to one another. One of the issues that continually faces believers is the idea that we think that we are okay by ourselves. Let me tell you something. You can come to church and still struggle in your faith. But if you don't come to church, I can guarantee you, you will always struggle in your faith. I'm always amused by people and bless their hearts 
When you say bless your heart in the South, that, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I'm always amused at the people who, who, who bear the name of Jesus. And I'm not calling them, I'm not saying they're not Christians, but they, they just, they've detached from the church. And I ask them how they're doing. Oh, me and God are great. And I'm just trying to figure out, how are you great with a man, but you don't have anything to do with his wife? I can't imagine telling any of the brothers in here that I know that are married, that love their wives, hey, bro, I'm cool with you, but I, I can't stand your wife. I would fully expect him to say, well, you can't be cool with me either. We are a package deal. You can't have one without the other. We are, we, we, we are a, I can't stand the church. I can't stand the people in the church. All oh, the church is just a bunch of hypocrites. We go to grocery stores. We don't know who owns the store. We shop at malls and buy brands that we don't know what the owners believe. We do all kinds of things that we don't know what kind of attachment they have, but we have no problem freely going in and spending our time and spending our dollars in these places and on these products. But you, one person in church makes you a little upset and you want to throw the whole thing away. Makes absolutely no sense. What I'm saying is there are no perfect churches and you're not perfect either. But we serve a perfect God together. We are all being perfected at the same time. Here's what Colin Hansen had to say in the book, Rediscover Church. And I'm, I'm done. Here's what he says. God does not invite us to church because it's a comfortable place to find a bit of spiritual encouragement. No, he invites us into a family of misfits and outcasts. He welcomes us into a home that's rarely what we want yet just what we need. Here's what we need to know. No church is perfect. Ours certainly is not. We have plenty of warts. But we still need each other. There's no perfect church. But we all serve this perfect God together. So we must be encouraged today. What, what, what does John say? John says this in 1 John 4, 20 through, 20 through 21. For, for those people who say, I just struggle with the idea of loving the church. Here's what John says in 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21. He says this, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. He is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. It is impossible for us to say that we love God, but we don't love each other. And this is what Paul is calling us to. So, I just want to encourage you today that a couple things. Number one. Because of Christ, we have access to God. I want to encourage you today, if you have not sought God's heart, if it's been a while since you've prayed, if it's been a while since you've gone to God boldly, since you've done something or you, you struggle with something, I want to encourage you today that, that you can go back into God's presence. And finally, I want to tell you this, that you don't do it by yourself. We do it together. We get to go to God together. There, there's this... This theologian that said this back in the 90s, he said that there's no, it's no fun if the homies can't have none. I don't want to let you know it's no fun if we do it by ourselves. But God has called us to do it together. I need you. 
and you need me. We're one body together. Man, let us pursue him with our whole hearts together. Be encouraged by your brother and by your sister. Let us encourage one another. If you see that person struggling, you don't even have to ask what's wrong. Just say, hey, I want to pray for you. If you see that person struggling financially, you're, you're not in a struggle in the season of your life. Walk up to them and say, how can I serve you? I don't have everything, but I can give you something. Hey, I see you've been, I see you down. You, you need help with this. You need, you need help with this. How, how, can, can I watch, watch the kids for you today? Can, can I, how, how can I help you? How, how can I serve you in this season of your life? Because we need each other. For all of the bashing that the church takes it's still Christ's bride. And the world may divorce us, but Jesus never will. He never will. No matter what we've done, he stays committed to us. And because of that, we can be committed to him. So today I want to encourage you. Let us be faithful to the family of God because we need each other. Let us pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.